Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment let you know a little bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, our pastor of Care Ministries, Craig Somerville, is continuing our series titled Rooted. And if you're not aware, we do run a free community tutoring program on-site on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and we currently are in need of more help. So if you have a background in tutoring, you can feel free to reach out to us at tutoring at southviewchurch.com. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint. You can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast, or you can go on Realm and join the group Southview Family Updates, and that will make sure that you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you. And you can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant. Because God is here, and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. My name is Craig. I'm part of the pastoral team here, and it is good to be together. It's good to be together in worship, whether we're here in this space or joining in our digital space. Uh, we're so glad uh, to have you all here with us to worship, to, uh, to sing, to pray, to open God's word, uh, to have child dedications, you know, later to come to the communion table. And uh, so cool to see Liz and what a little gift she is and just how God's hand is on her and will be on her. And uh, as I was watching that moment, I was actually reflecting a little bit on Sam, who uh, led that child dedication. I witnessed Sam do his very first child dedication 21 years ago when he dedicated our daughter, Emma. And uh, so cool to see God's hand on Sam and how he's grown up over the years as well, right? Uh, He's maturing. He's becoming a fine young man. Uh, But yeah, it's good to be together. And we're in uh, this series called Rooted, and um, we've been journeying for a few weeks. Sam actually led the the series a few weeks ago, uh, guided us through John 15, talking about Jesus as the vine, and we are the branches, and we are to abide in Christ, to remain attached and connected to the vine. He is our life source. And, uh, and then Brett started us into Colossians, where uh, I'll be wrapping up our time in Colossians as we continue uh, a few more weeks in this series called Rooted. And as I've been thinking about this uh, word rooted, uh, an image, uh, a picture kind of came to mind uh, right out of my own backyard. And so I just want to tell you a little bit about a tree that we have in our backyard. So I've got a picture of this tree. Um, this was taken a few years ago. And uh, I don't even know what kind of tree this is. It produces some sort of cherry. I think it's a cherry blossom tree or a choke cherry tree or something like that. And uh, all I know is that in the spring, it produces these very uh, beautiful pink and purple colors, uh, which then turn to the green leaves. And then eventually these little cherries uh, will be produced on that tree. 
So something tragic happened a couple years ago. The next picture will show you some, uh, something of what happened. We had a uh, snowstorm in October uh, 2022, so about a year and a half ago. And uh, our trees weren't quite ready for the snow yet, so that tree had all of the green leaves still on it. And with the weight of that wet snow, it took out about a third of the tree. Uh, one of the, the, the main sort of... Uh, uh, tr uh, stems that are not, you know, branches of the tree out of that trunk, one of the three main uh, branches out of the trunk broke off. And so about a third of the tree uh, died. I had to go out and chop it off after that and deal with that and kind of wondered what was going to happen to this tree uh, now that it was uh, two-thirds of what it used to be. So here's the next picture of this past spring, uh, or summer actually. So this was after bloom and everything. So it's not looking quite as healthy as it did but it's actually surprisingly doing quite well. It's got green leaves on it, and uh, it still produced those little cherries, whatever they are, and uh, was still sort of bearing fruit and bringing color, and some of the beauty of what we've enjoyed about that tree still is there. And so as I was reflecting on this tree and thinking about this series, Rooted, I was thinking, you know, this tree must have some pretty deep roots, because uh, it's from the roots that it gains life and sustenance, right? It gets the moisture that it's, it needs and the nutrients from the soil. And I'm not a, a much of a gardener, but I do know that, you know, those trees need roots. And especially if a third of the tree is going to get lopped off by a bunch of snow, that uh, in order to survive, it needs those roots to draw strength and nourishment from. And so as I was thinking about that tree, I was thinking about our lives and how significant it is to be going through a series like this where we're being encouraged to put our roots deep into Christ. Because in our lives, we will face all kinds of weather and all kinds of storms. And sometimes it might feel like, uh, you know, a branch has been lopped off of our lives and we're just not quite the same as what we used to be. But if we go deep with Christ, he can continue to, to give us the, the, the sustenance we need. We can draw our strength and energy from him so that we can continue to bear fruit in Jesus' name, kingdom fruit, to make a difference in the world in which we live. And so our hope and prayer as we're going through this series is that we truly would be fruit-bearing people whose roots go deep into Jesus. And so we're going to dive into this passage that Clarice read earlier from Colossians chapter 3. And as we just open God's word again, let me pause and pray really quickly. And so Jesus, as we open your word, we invite you to speak. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to open our ears to hear your word with clarity. We invite you to soften our hearts to receive your word today and soften our will that we would be responsive to your word. So Holy Spirit, speak Help us to hear and follow your lead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we look at Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17, I encourage you to keep your Bible open if you have one with you or a Bible app. Uh, we'll be kind of walking through this passage. And just three things I want to highlight out of this passage as we think about being rooted. And the first is that we are to embrace our true identity we're to embrace, you are to embrace your true identity. And through Colossians, Brett actually a couple weeks ago in verses 1 to 4, when he was preaching through that passage, was kind of talking about our identity, right? We are resurrected people. We've been raised with Christ. And because of that, we are to set our minds on things above. And so he was sort of speaking into our identity, our identity as the resurrected ones, raised with Christ. 
And then last week, Rick walked through the next uh, few verses, verses 5 to 11, where he encouraged us to be rooted in God's love, part of that identity of, of God's love, how it shapes us. But also this idea in that passage is that uh, we are transitioning from an old life to a new life. And so in verse 10 of chapter 3, it says that we've put on this new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And so in Christ, we have new life. We have a new self to sort of put on. And so when we get to our passage, again, we are reminded to embrace our true identity as Paul starts in verse 12, just the first half of verse 12. Look at what he says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, And so before he gets into the the fruit-bearing stuff that he's going to talk about in a moment, he wants to start with this reminder of who we are in Christ. We've been chosen by God. We're holy, and that word holy, the use of it there is actually to be set apart by God and to be set apart for God. And then we are dearly loved. This Uh, letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians was written to the church in Colossae, and many of the believers there would be Gentile believers. So we have Jews and Gentiles. Jews in the Old Testament were God's chosen people, right? His elect, the Israelites. And so the Old Testament is the story of God journeying with his people. But then we get to the New Testament when Jesus comes as a light to all nations, that he is the light of the world, that all should come to the Father through him. And so we have Gentiles turning to God by faith in Jesus Christ, and they are responding to the gospel and being transformed from these old lives as being known as those who were far from God to those who were now part of God's family. And so God, sorry, Paul is writing to these Gentile believers, reminding them that they have been chosen by God. That's language that was used of the Old Testament, the Israelites, that they are holy, set apart by and for God, that they are dearly loved by God. And so as we consider Paul's words to these Gentile believers, these words apply to us as well. We were once far from God, but we are to be reminded that God chose us to enter into relationship with him. God chose us and set us apart for his glory and for his mission. And God chose us because he loves us dearly and loves us deeply. And I would imagine that there are some of us here in this space that need to be reminded of these things. We need to be reminded of who we are in Christ and how God sees us, reminded of our true identity in him so that we can embrace the truth of that identity. There might be some in this room who feel unloved, and maybe the story of your life has been a story of feeling unwanted, unloved, rejected, abandoned, maybe even abused. Maybe harsh things have been done that would question, does anybody love me? And the truth of this text is that, yes, God loves you deeply, even if the story of your life is, I don't know that I believe that. Or there are some here who maybe feel like there's no sense of purpose. You know, what, what is my life for? You know, what purpose does it serve? And God's word to you today is that you have a purpose. You've been set apart by God and for God's good purposes in this world. There may be some who feel uh, unwanted. 
My wife and I watch Survivor quite regularly, and often on Survivor, you'll hear, you'll hear the testimony of one of the, the, the competitors saying, you know, I was that kid that in junior high was never picked for this team, you know, on the playground, was never picked to play sports. I was the one that was unwanted, and their journey on Survivor is like to help them overcome that. Um, but there are some of us here in this room who might relate to that, that we were the one that was never picked. We were the one that nobody ever wanted on their team. We were the one that nobody wanted to be in their friend group. And so we feel unwanted. But the truth of God's word for you today is that God wants you. God's chosen you and wants you to be in relationship with him. Another way of saying this is in uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So again, reminders that we are chosen. We're a royal priesthood. We've been set apart by and for God. We are his special possession. He longs for us. So as we think about the truth of who we are, our identity in Christ. What we need to do to embrace that identity is real simple, and many of us in this room have done this. It's basically just to receive Jesus. Scripture says in John chapter 1 that for those who receive Jesus, put their faith and trust in him, you enter God's family, you become one of God's children. And so if you're here today and you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you are a child of God. You've responded to God's invitation of choosing you and loving you and wanting you. And so listen to these words from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. As God's child God is pouring out his love on you. He's lavishing us with his love. And if you think about that image of being a child, as I think about my own two kids, we have two girls, I have two daughters, nothing will ever change the fact that those are my kids. Those are my daughters. I am their dad. Whatever they do in life, it's never going to change that reality that they, they belong to me in a sense. They're part of my family. They will always be my children. They will always be my daughters. They will always hold a place in my heart because I love them deeply. And it's the same kind of thing times a thousand that God loves you in that same way. For those of us who've received Jesus, we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And he wants to lavish us in his love. And so before Paul even gets into what we're supposed to do as uh, fruit-bearing followers of Jesus, he's reminding us of their, our true identity. And I want to ask, do you believe these things at your core? Have you let the truth of how God sees you really sink in so that you can say, I know I'm loved. I know I'm wanted. I know I have purpose because God loves me deeply. God has chosen me. God has set me apart for his good purposes. Well, it's out of this identity that we have in Christ that we are called to dress ourselves accordingly. And that's where Paul goes next. So this next word of encouragement is to dress yourself 
accordingly. And I'm not talking about getting dressed up for church like some of us might do. Maybe not so much on the Saturday nights, but come Sunday morning and you might know what I'm talking about. But that's not really what Paul's getting at. Clothing in this passage is a bit of a, a metaphor or an illustration of what it looks like to bear fruit for Jesus, right? To be, to be bearing fruit, kingdom-bearing fruit, and that image of being attached to the vine and, and Jesus being our life source, helping us produce fruit. So Paul shifts gears, and instead of fruit, he's talking about clothes, getting yourself dressed. And in this passage in Colossians chapter 3, last week, this uh, encouragement was to sort of cast off the old clothes or put off the old clothes, things like sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires and greed and anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language and not lying to one another. And you're wondering, was all that actually in last week's message? Yes, it was. And Paul's saying, cast that off because that's part of the old life. Verse 10, he says, you've put on the new self. And so here he goes on to talk about what these new clothes look like. But before we get into that, I want to just uh, share a little bit of a pet peeve that I have. And before I get into this pet peeve, let me just ask a question. How many here live in Calgary or just around Calgary? Like Okotoks, High River, Langdon, you know, maybe, you're, yeah. So most of us in this room live in Calgary or sort of the greater Calgary area. I live in Okotoks, so I guess I'm an Okotokian, but by association to greater Calgary, I could say I'm a Calgarian. So if you live in Calgary or around Calgary, you're probably okay with saying, I'm a Calgarian. Is that true? Would you put your hand up? Yes, I'm a Calgarian. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Okay, good. So here's my pet peeve. We have a hockey team in this city. The Calgary Flames, okay? And last week, a couple days ago, there was a lot of people dressed really inappropriately at a Calgary Flames game. And so if you ever watched, you know, there was all kinds of people wearing these sweaters. These sweaters are from Torontonians or maybe people, you know, in the Ontario, the province of Ontario who haven't decided to cheer for the Senators yet. But so these are Toronto Maple Leafs jerseys. And my pet peeve is that these don't belong in the Saddle Dome when the Calgary Flames are playing, because as we've all admitted, we're Calgarians, right? And so these clothes should be cast aside, right? And instead, we should all put on appropriate clothing for Calgarians, yes? I'm not even going to get into the Battle of Alberta that's about to happen tonight, so some of you Edmonton transfers, you know, who now live in Calgary, I have the same pet peeve with you. <laughs> you need to put on appropriate clothes. Because if part of our identity is to say that we are Calgarians or Okotokians who cheer for the closest NHL team, then we should wear the appropriate clothes. And if you're an Edmonton, you know, Edmonton, Edmontonian, is that how you say it? Or Torontonian who's now transferred to Calgary? Because my hunch is on Thursday night when the Leafs played, 90% of the crowd still lives in Calgary. They're just putting on Leafs jerseys for some reason. And I have some, you know, I can sort of relate because I grew up in southern Ontario, okay? I never really did cheer for the Leafs. I did cheer for the Senators because I lived in Ottawa when, uh, when the Senators came back into the league. But I've now lived in Calgary for 20 years, and I had a life-changing experience in 2004. 
when the Flames went to the Stanley Cup final and the city was alive with, you know, Flames fever and there was flags everywhere and people were cheering and going down to the Red Mile and all that kind of stuff, it changed me, okay? And so when I was changed in 2004, I had already been living in Calgary for a few years and I planted a flag that day that I would now cheer for the Calgary Flames. And for the last 20 years, I've been doing it faithfully, whether they've been good or bad or whatever it's looked like. But the appropriate clothes to wear would be the Flames jersey, right? So what Paul is saying here, followers of Jesus, children of God, you are to clothe yourselves. So look at what he says in uh, verse 12. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so he starts to talk about what does it look like to wear appropriate clothes as children of God? Well, it's this list of things. Compassion, kindness, humility. I don't know if you remember back in the fall, we went through the book of Philippians and talked a lot about humility. Philippians chapter 2, where the believers were exhorted to be like Christ, have the same mind of, of Christ who put others' interests above his own, right? We are to put other other people's interests above our own. We are to walk in humility in our relationships with one another, looking for ways to serve others and, and to put others first. Gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. That's another important one. As followers of Jesus, we've all been forgiven much. We enter into relationship with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. He laid down his life so that we could have life. He laid down his life so that the penalty of sin would be paid for and we would be forgiven. And if we've been forgiven much, we are to live in a posture of forgiveness when others hurt us or wrong us or offend us. And so the right kind of close is this list of things. Look what he says in verse 14. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And you could say that love really is the summary of all of those attributes, all of those qualities, all of those kingdom-bearing fruits that Paul has just listed. They're summed up in that one word, love. And so as children of God, we are to put on the appropriate clothes of love and that whole list that he just talks about. Look at what 1 John 4, verse 16 says. If I can turn there fast enough. 1 John 4, 16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so as last week, Rick invited us to be rooted in God's love. His love is poured out into our hearts and his love overflows in our lives to the point where it flows out of us and impacts the, the people around us. As we fill up and root ourselves in God's love, he can uh, let his love flow to the lives of people around us. Here's another couple of verses in Ephesians I wanted to just point out. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so we are to dress ourselves up in love. You can ignore my jokes about hockey teams and all of that stuff. I actually don't really care who you cheer for. But what I do care about is that you do put on the appropriate clothes as children of God, that you dress yourselves up 
in love. And so as you do that, maybe be thinking and asking Jesus, Jesus, who are the people around me who need me to love them with compassion? Who are the people in my life that need a touch of kindness? Who are the people in my life that need me to be a little more humble and to put their needs above my own? Who are the people in my life that need a touch of gentleness or patience? Or who are the people in my life who've hurt me or wronged me that I need to extend forgiveness to? What would it look like for you to dress yourself up in love? And remember, in Colossians, there's a great mystery that Paul talks about, and we actually sang about it earlier, and it's the idea that it is Christ in you. It's not what I do. It's not, it's not up to me. It's not my strength, but it's Christ in me, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so in other words, it's Jesus at work in you that helps you live the life he's calling you to live. It's not simply us to, up to us to try harder. We can't put on love and live a life of loving people around us in our own strength. But through Christ dwelling in us, through his Holy Spirit, working through us, we can love others well. And as Sam reminded us a few weeks ago, to be like branches connected to the vine and drawing strength and that source of life from Jesus the vine, let his love flow through you and extend to those around you, bearing kingdom fruit in Jesus' name. The last thing I want to point out really quickly in this passage is, again, just an encouragement to stay rooted in Christ. We've talked about embracing our true identity. We've talked about dressing ourselves accordingly. But then Paul closes with a reminder and an encouragement to stay rooted in Christ. And uh, as he does this, he's really talking about sort of rhythms of worship that we might participate in when we gather corporately like this and maybe sometimes on our own in private as well. So let's just read through these last few verses and point out these rhythms of worship that help us remain rooted in Christ. So look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. I don't know if you've noticed, but every week when we gather, we pass the peace of Christ to one another. We share those words, may the peace of Christ be with you, and we respond, and also with you, because we want the peace of Christ to, to be rooted in our lives, that we wouldn't live in fear or anxiety or whatever it might be, whatever circumstances we're going through, we believe that those words have power, that the peace of Christ can actually rule in our hearts in seasons where that just would not make sense. And so let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Look at verse 16, another rhythm of worship. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And this verse is really just about the message of Christ, the story of Christ, God's Word dwelling richly in us making itself at home in our lives. And so we try to get more and more familiar with the message of Jesus, with the, the word of God. We teach it. We share it with one another, maybe in small groups. And just a little tangent, there's a group link coming this week, Wednesday night, if you're not a part of a small group and would like to be. It's another place where you can let the word of Christ dwell in your life richly. So please sign up. You can talk to uh, somebody at the information center outside afterwards. But we want to be rooted 
in the message of Christ, the story of Christ, the word of Christ. And so we do it through teaching and, and learning that way. We also sing, right? We sing psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit like we already did earlier. And again, we're singing songs that remind us again and again of the story of Jesus, the message of Christ. We do that here collectively. Maybe you do that at home as well as you spend time in God's Word or maybe as you sing and listen to worship music. These are rhythms of worship to help us stay rooted in Christ. And then look at lastly, verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that final exhortation from Paul is really about putting Jesus first, not just on the weekend when we gather corporately like this, but all through the week. Whatever you say or do, put Jesus first. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And notice also the posture of thanksgiving throughout those words, throughout those verses, that as we root ourselves in Christ, we're thankful for everything that he's done as we sing and teach and learn more and more about him. So as we wrap this up, I want to wrap up with uh, um, kind of three ways that we might respond and think about your body and just three ways we might respond with our body. And one would be in our head, one would be with our hands, and the other would be with our heart. So I want you to just be thinking about that as we wrap this up. So in your head, I encourage you to truly embrace your identity in Christ, to let the truth of who you are in Christ really sink in and shape the way you think about yourself, that you are loved, you are wanted, you've been chosen, you've been set apart by God and for him. Let those truths sink into your head. With your hands, remember to dress yourself in love, not necessarily a Flames jersey or a Leafs jersey or an Oilers jersey, but dress yourself in love. These are the kinds of clothes that children of God need to wear. And remember that as we're dressing ourselves with our hands and putting love into action in our relationships, it's not just about us doing it in our own strength, but it's Christ in you and through you, letting his love pour out into the hearts of others. So that's head, hands, heart. As you think about your heart, think about these rhythms of worship that Paul concluded this passage with and stay rooted in Christ. Let the rhythms of worship fuel your devotion to Jesus and maybe foster more and more affection towards Jesus as we sing songs or hear God's word being taught or as you spend time with God on your own in private. May your heart be fueled to further devotion and affection to Jesus. Let's pray. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your word we thank you for the truth of who we are in you. We pray that you would shape our thinking in our heads. We pray that you would fill us so that our hands would be put to the task of loving people around us well. And we pray for our hearts, that our hearts would continue to be soft towards you, that whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we would do it all in the name of you, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. And so now we come to the table where, again, a rhythm of worship to help us stay rooted. We, we come to the table on a very regular basis here at Southview, and it's just another way to be reminded of the message of Christ, of, of what he did for us. And so as we come to the table, we're reminded of this bread, which represents his body, which was broken for you and I. And as we come to the table, we remember this cup, 
which represents Jesus' blood, which was poured out for you and I for forgiveness of sin and welcome into the family of God. And when we come to this table, we're reminded that it's an opportunity for God to feed us here. And so God, we do invite you to feed us at your table. We invite you to give us spiritual food, to live spiritual lives in this world in which we live. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I invite you, if you haven't done so already, to take the elements before you and to break open that first layer, which should reveal the wafer. And I'll trust on the sounds or lack of sounds that most of us have done that. So friends, remember, this is Jesus' body broken for you. Take and receive from him. And then if you could peel back the next layer to open the cup, give you a moment to do that. This cup represents Jesus' blood, which was poured out for you and I for forgiveness of sin and a welcome into his family. Let's take and receive from him today. Amen. Well, let me invite you to stand. And I'll give a word of benediction in a moment here. But just as we're standing, just be reminded that our time in this space has come to an end. But there's time to mingle, to connect. If uh, you're a newcomer, head to the Newcomer Center. We'd love to meet you there. Uh, if you've got questions about different things going on in the church, we'd love to help answer your questions. If you want to sign up for group link, you can do that. But as we go from here, let me just uh, give a word of benediction over us. So as you go... May you go knowing the truth of how God really sees you, that he's chosen you, he loves you deeply, and may these truths shape how you live your life this week. May his love overflow in you and through you. May his love reach out to the lives of those around you. May lives be changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, we'll see you next week. Thanks for coming.